but god is a loving god isn't it true hallelujah god is a loving god amen and i'm sure that you are enjoying the presence of god and the love of god in a wonderful way praise god this morning you and i are blessed to be in the presence of god and i hope that you are ready and excited to receive the word of god this morning shall we pray together lord we praise you and thank you for this day thank you for adding one more day in our life every day we exist in this world is only your grace and your grace alone and lord we pray that you would speak to us we pray that you would minister to us lord we pray that you would lord teach us your word we pray that you will inspire our hearts we pray that you will instruct our minds we pray that you will transform our lives we pray that you will cause us to lord live a renewed life in your presence oh god Lord we pray that you will Lord come and fill this place. We pray that your glory will fill every home, that your presence will invade our hearts, our families and our lives oh God. We thank you in Jesus name we pray. Amen. We're going to listen to the word of God right now and I want to encourage every one of you to grab your bible and a notebook and a pen and let's dive into God's word. Week after week we've been studying from the prophetic books uh we began with uh, you know jeremiah and ezekiel daniel and continually we've been studying through the minor prophets and now today this morning we're going to uh, look at the prophecy of nahum nahum is a a a a amazing prophet who has uh, spoken about the destruction that was going to come upon assyria and that which at a time where judah was much under oppression under uh, the assyrian empire and nineveh happens to be the capital city of the kingdom of assyria and so this morning we're going to read from nahum chapter 1 and verses 2 to 8 nahum chapter 1 verses 2 to 8 the lord is a jealous and avenging god the lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath the lord takes vengeance on his foes and maintains his wrath against his enemies The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence. The world and all who live in it Who can withstand his indignation who can endure his fierce anger his wrath is poured out like fire the rocks are shattered before him the lord is good a refuge in times of trouble he cares for those who trust in him but with an overwhelming flood he will make an end to nineveh he will pursue his foes into darkness the key verse uh, of this prophecy of nahum the one scripture verse that captures the whole message of nahum is found in verse number 3 the lord is slow to anger but great in power the lord will not leave the guilty unpunished his way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet the bible talks about how um Nahum is prophesying both to Judah and to Assyria and talking to Judah he's bringing a message of hope uh, we find that later on there in verse number 6 7 and 8 and all of that but on the other hand he's 
speaking to Assyria and saying, God is great in power and he is not going to leave the guilty unpunished. Remember the story, uh, you know, we find here is actually the continuation of, uh, uh, from the book of Jonah, you know, in 760 BC, 100 years later after uh, the time of Jonah, Nahum is prophesying about the destruction of the same Nineveh which, to which Jonah preached and uh, Nineveh responded in repentance immediately. In fact, Jonah was a rebellious, uh, you know, unbelieving man who wanted the destruction of Nineveh and was trying to go against the will of God. And God was gracious and merciful to Nineveh. But here you find that 100 years later, God is not merciful towards Nineveh now, but he is about to destroy Nineveh. The point is Jonah could not see God uh, as a just God at that time. That good gift will not compromise the Lord's ultimate sense of justice for all in the end. Just because God is gracious at one time, that does not mean that he's compromising his nature of justice forever. He grants grace. But when people don't turn to him and when people don't repent and people don't continue to walk in his ways, as a God of justice, he exercises his act of justice and punishes the guilty. In the end, that is exactly what is happening here. And so to title this morning's message, I would call it, When Grace is Taken for Granted. That's exactly the case with Nineveh. When grace was taken for granted. The way God was gracious to Nineveh is amazing where he turns the heart of a, a prophet, a, a, a rebellious prophet and makes him to go there and gets him to speak the message he wants him to speak and, and sees through the, you know, re, the redemption of Nineveh. But such a gracious God, 100 years later, comes and without batting an eyelid, he is simply speaking about the destruction that he is going to send. And Nahum's prophecy against the city would have also been significant for the people of Judah because primarily the prophecy is spoken to Judah, even though it is spoken about their enemies, Nineveh and Assyria. It served as an encouragement in the face of tyranny, terrifying power of the Assyrian Empire. And so the book of Nahum mentions also the recent fall of Thebes, which occurred in 663 BC, which you find in Nahum chapter 3 and verses 8 to 10. We're not going to read that now. But there's a mention, God is mentioning about how he destroyed Thebes. And he's saying, if they didn't escape Nineveh, you're not going to escape. And the destruction of Nineveh later on happened in 612 BC. The Assyrian Empire which had its capital at Nineveh was at its peak of its power. In the first half of the period of uh, during the time of the king of Judah Manasseh. And uh, you find Manasseh is actually the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king. Hezekiah was a king who was very much blessed. And when Isaiah the prophet confronted him, he turned to God. He cried out to God. And God added 15 years to his life. And Sennacherib was threatening him. Assyrian, you know, commander Sennacherib was threatening him. And uh, God gave them such a great, uh, powerful rescue from the hands of this enemy. 
and then from Hezekiah you come to his son Manasseh and when Manasseh came to power he went against the Lord, he, he turned away from the Lord, he did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord and so God was speaking to Manasseh also about the destruction that was coming and it was this time, uh, it was in the period of uh, Manasseh where Nahum was also prophesying but Manasseh repented of his ways and he turned to God away from the idols, away from the high places that he had built up and he repented and came back to God and so you find here in the midst of that uh, terrifying power of the Assyrian kingdom, God is doing a miracle of speaking to Judah about the destruction that he's going to bring upon Nineveh and Assyria and in such, this is the backdrop. Now without knowing the backdrop of when this is happening, what is the context, what is the background, it will be difficult to understand the truth that Nahum is speaking here. And so Nahum actually was preaching during the darkest period in Judah's history where Assyria was very powerful and they were oppressing them. They were, you know, under this terrifying power up to that point. And, and this was also a time in, in Judah where it was filled with idolatry of all kinds and they had completely turned their back on God also. And so it was in such a time as this where God was willing to send a prophet called Nahum who sent to bring comfort because the name Nahum means comfort or compassion where God is wanting to comfort his people and saying hey your enemies are powerful against you but I'm going to take them on and I'm going to completely deal with them and, and destroy them and he was bringing comfort to them that they would be finally free from this tyranny and it was in such a hopeless situation that God was bringing comfort love and compassion to his people how amazing that even this morning as Jane was leading us in worship she was speaking about the love of God the grace of God that is so amazing that is immeasurable that is unending that is unconditional yes truly his grace is uh, overwhelming it's unrelenting continuously extended to us as his children and so the Lord by his very nature as he is slow to anger but he's also at the same time great in power and that's something that we're going to understand when we talk about when grace was taken for granted by Nineveh we need to understand that Nahum as he's prophesying this is the content of the message that he's speaking in the first chapter Nahum has three chapters in the first chapter Nahum is actually speaking about uh, uh, the uh, awesome character of God God's awesome character and so uh, when we talk about taking grace for granted we need to be aware of God's awesome character don't underestimate the awesome character of God and as we look into the passage you will understand what it means God's character is like this you read that in verses 1 and 2 he is a jealous God the Lord is a jealous and avenging God the Lord takes a vengeance and is filled with wrath the Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. But at the same time in verse 3 he says the Lord is slow to anger but great in power. And he also goes on to say the Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. And so when the Lord is extending grace, he extended grace to Nineveh through Jonah. He extended grace to Nineveh, you know, as they repented, he was defending the cause of Nineveh and the protection of Nineveh with Jonah, while Jonah was angry with God and thinking that God was unjust in being merciful to Nineveh. But God was fighting his cause of justice, of, of nature, his nature of being slow to anger. And he was extending love and mercy, forgiveness, to Nineveh but they did not pass on that 
repentful heart to the generations to come and so a hundred years later it all turns out where they have taken the grace of God for granted and sometimes in our life also we can be doing that at one time God could be terribly merciful you know amazingly merciful to us slow to anger abounding in love but that same God a little later when we take the grace for granted and continue to go our own way he can also punish us at the same time and so we need to understand uh, this morning I want us to recognize of God's amazing character God's awesome character be aware of this awesome character that's exactly what is coming through the prophecy of Nahum in chapter 1 you see his character of being jealous vengeful wrathful the jealous means that he he wants his people to be his own and when they disown him and go after other gods he is so jealous in other words he is zealous also you know the jealous means not in the negative sense of feeling jealous of coveting over somebody else's property or thing but here the word jealous literally actually means more of a zeal for the people that he owns them that he they are his creation his children as zealous uh, to a righteous standard that he expects them to live and now they've embraced another standard and so God is zealous for them so God's character is that he would take vengeance he would be zealous and he would be wrathful also be aware of God's awesome nature and he also goes on to say in that same passage we read that he dries up the seas he shakes the mountains he he, he literally can shake everything and all that seem to be secure, all that seem to be uh, giving resources to them. He can shake everything. God's amazing character. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He can shake the very foundations on which, you know, sinful people stand. And they can have a, des- uh, you know, uh, ultimate fall. And also he says in verse 14, where he directly confronts them. Can we read Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 14? The Lord has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I will destroy the carved images and cast idols that are in the temple of your gods. I will prepare your grave for you are vile. He comes with a direct confrontation. He is not mincing words. He is not coming through the back door. You know, he says the Lord has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. He speaks truth straight on the face. When God is speaking to Assyria, about Assyria, to Nahum and through him to Judah, God is speaking on the face. No mincing of words, no uh, being very gentle and coming to the back door and being apologetic and saying, oh, what do I do? You know, I wish I don't have to do this. No, no, no. When God, you know, when God's nature shows up, the God who, you know, does not see sin, the God who has been merciful and again and again sent Jonah, you know, and pushed him to go and, you know, show his love. And the God who has been so loving and so merciful now sees that the people have turned back away from him. He's not going to stop now. He comes on the face. He's truth. He's immutable. Nobody can stop him. When he speaks, he speaks. In verse 15 also, you find the finality in God's character. The finality in God's character. Look, there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Celebrate your festivals, O Judah, and fulfill your vows. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. They will be completely destroyed. It is good news for Judah. 
Judah there is a good news that is coming to you you who proclaim the one who proclaims peace you know is coming celebrate your festivals fulfill your vows and no more the wicked will invade you they will be completely destroyed there is a finality he he with his character is such that he can set things and then nobody can change it he can declare things and it is final verdict that is the amazing character of god the awesome character of god and when we speak and, and i deliberately use the word awesome here because the way god is speaking to assyria is awesome the one who has been gracious once the one who has been so loving and merciful is now awesome why is he awesome it's revealed through his amazing character here the word awesome uh, means uh, awe Uh, is an inspiring all you know kind of an expression uh, it, it's something when you say when you look at something which is so amazing inspiring you say wow it's awesome but you know the real meaning of the word awesome awesome uses the word awe a w e the first three words awe which is mysteriously something which is expressed for what is mysteriously sacred with fear inspiring an overwhelming feeling of reverence admiration of fear and awesome sight that's the expression that's what the dictionary meaning is for the word awesome something which is mysteriously sacred sacred with fear inspiring an overwhelming feeling of reverence admiration of fear that is something which is mysteriously sacred and uh, you know inspiring an overwhelming feeling of reverence and adoration with fear awesome this is god's awesome character be aware when when grace is extended to us when god has been merciful some of us know very surely very clearly in the back of our minds i don't deserve to live this kind of a life a blessed life i really don't deserve this kind of a welcome back we had a little bit of an internet problem but uh, thank god we are back on track and so uh, let's continue to listen to the word of god so we've been uh, listening to uh, the prophet nehum and uh, his message of uh, how when assyria and nineveh was taking the grace of god for granted god is speaking about his awesome character god's awesome character of how he can uh, speak a word of finality and uh, you know it is final and so this is something that we need to understand that god is a god who once he speaks no one can refute that he is immutable he is his word is final and secondly uh, when we look at god's uh, nature you know when we when he's talking about how nineveh took the grace of god for granted we also secondly we see god's imminent chastisement that is coming god's imminent chastisement secondly we look at that in chapters 2 and 3 In chapter 2 uh, verses 5 to 10 we read Nineveh summons her picked troops yet they stumble on their way they dash to the city wall the protective shield is put in place the river gates are thrown open and the palace collapses it is decreed that Nineveh be exiled and carried away her female slaves moan like doves and beat on their breasts Nineveh is like a pool whose water is draining away stop stop they cry but no one turns back plunder the silver plunder the gold the supply is endless the wealth from all its treasures she splashed plundered stripped 
hearts melt, knees give way, bodies tremble, every face grows pale. This is what God is speaking about the chastisement that is coming about Nineveh. It is so descriptive in chapters 2 and 3. It is so much in a poetical language also. But it is not just beautiful poetry for poets uh, for poetical sake. But it in a poetical form and in a very picturistic uh, in a way it is depicted and brought out to us. But in it is truth. And what is the truth? The truth of God's imminent chastisement. And when God is speaking to Nineveh, he's speaking not only about his awesome character, but he's also speaking about his imminent chastisement that he's bringing about. And uh, in chapter 2 and verse 1, if you look at uh, chapter 2, Nahum chapter 2 and verse number 1. An attacker advances against you, Nineveh. Guard the fortress, watch the road. Brace yourselves, marshal all your strength. It is in a very cynical way. It is in a very sarcastic way. God is saying, an attacker advances against you in a way. Guard the fortresses. Come on, get your guards up there. Watch the road. Brace yourself. Marshal all your strength. Come on, get your strength together. Get your act together. Come on, you know, your enemy is coming. Become stronger. Get ready. But he's speaking in a very mocking way, in a cynical way, in a sarcastic way. This is how God's imminent chastisement comes. And when it comes, he speaks in such a manner where men will just tremble. Now, this is not a a word of appreciation. This is not where God is saying, oh, you are very strong. Come on, this is the time to fight back. This is the time to defend. No, he's not saying it in a positive way. Don't you uh, realize that sometimes even when we speak, we say things in a sarcastic way, in a very positive way. But actually what it means is a very negative, the total opposite of that. That's exactly how God is speaking. He, in other words, he's saying time is up in a way. You know, and, and, and he's saying that knees give way, bodies tremble, every face grows pale. You know, everything is stripped, all their strength, all their might, all their glory. All the power, all the strength, all the military power, all that they did, you know, uh, by which they exercise authority and power over others, everything has been taken away. And so God is saying, here is something that I'm going to do, which is going to put an end to Nineveh. And literally for, you know, thousands of years, almost till 1845 you know until two Englishmen actually discovered Nineveh's ruins people actually thought that Nineveh there was a city there was no city called Nineveh and and, in history records that you know that until it was then you know they found ruins of this old city of Nineveh it was until then it was thought to be a mystical idea that there was no city like that which actually existed That is how God is dealing with the city of Nineveh. God's imminent chastisement, when he speaks, nobody can stop it. If you go on to chapter 3 verse 13 also, we don't have time to read the whole of the chapters. But I'm just giving you a glimpse into what is the prophecy of Nahum. Look at your troops. Chapter 3 verse 13. They are all weaklings. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has consumed the bars of your gates. Also in verse 19, nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. 
all who hear the news about you clap their hands clap their hands at your fall for who has not felt your endless cruelty everybody around all in the vicinity of nineveh all have experienced the cruelty which you know uh, nineveh has exercised over the enemies and specially over judah and israel and so god is concerned about judah and israel and he's bringing comfort and encouragement to them by speaking a word of chastisement that is going to be imminent upon nineveh and so these people took the grace of god for granted this is something which is very dangerous number one we looked at god's awesome power when if a person takes the grace of god for granted that person needs to be reminded about god's awesome character because they need to take god seriously the antidote for that is that they need to take god seriously and pass it on to the next generation because in Nineveh's case they did not pass on that to the next generation and because they did not pass on that to the next generation 100 years later god is ready to punish them and finish them off completely he says the guilty will not go unpunished he even goes on to say that nothing can heal you your wound is fatal just imagine what kind of a prophecy this is if it is such a prophecy over a whole city now this is not against an one individual or one family or somebody in the corner somewhere but this is about a whole city this is about a whole nation and the city which was powerful which was you know uh, vibrant which was which experienced god's mercy at once once upon a time with the pre- preaching of jonah now is experiencing the awesome character of god is being revealed to them now what you need to do if you and i as receptors of god's grace and love the one thing we need to recognize from this you know message of nahum is that when god's grace is taken for granted you know we need to turn away from that and take god seriously and pass it on to the next generation also next generation also you know it it was like slow poison it was slowly eating them you know uh, there was an experiment which uh, was displayed by a chemistry professor you know in a college and this is what he did he took a big beaker uh, filled it with water and he was just heating it up and 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 before filling it up with water and heating it up he put a little frog in there and and uh, he put the flame at a very low level you know minimum flame very minimum flame and he just allowed it to you know uh, warm the whole beaker and and the beaker was just getting warmed up and slowly it was slightly warmer and warmer and the the frog was very comfortable it was just having a hot uh, hot uh, you know tub bath and it was just you know enjoying itself it was like you know being in a resort in some kind of a beautiful you know bathtub and just enjoying the warm water and it was just floating and it was just enjoying the warm water and the the heat began to just slowly increase and slowly increase and it went on for hours and hours together and over a period of time the the heat was consuming the frog slowly to the extent where the frog could not feel that it the heat was just you know uh, killing it and slowly slowly finally at some point the frog even without trying to come out of the beaker or trying to resist the heat or trying to jump out or it was not getting agitated or anything it, that heat slowly warmed it up so much that finally it fell unconscious and finally died that's exactly is the picture of 
Nineveh. You know, is the beaker slowly getting heated up in your life? And if the beaker is slowly getting heated up in your life, if the sin is slowly coming into your life, and if it's getting warmed and, and, and it feels good and it feels comfortable at the beginning and it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't prick our conscience, it doesn't feel like we are displeasing God, maybe over a period of time, it could ultimately kill you. Is the beaker getting warmer in your life? If that is so, this morning I want us to be aware of God's awesome character. We need to take God seriously and pass that on to the next generation. And secondly, we looked at God's imminent chastisement. Because of God's imminent chastisement, we cannot take the grace of God for granted. We need to fear God. The antidote is that we need to fear God reverently and not get too familiar and uh, Take his grace as simple as it is, as we say. We use the words grace and love and compassion and all of that so loosely. Very often, oh God is such a good God. God is so amazing. God is so loving. God is so gracious. Yes, he is. But at the same time, if we don't fear God reverently and we get too familiar with words like that and take them to be very simple, we will be taking advantage of God's grace. Look at the examples in the scriptures like the life of Samson. He ended up at the lap of Delilah, you know, after a long period of time of flirting around with women at different times all through his life. And that ultimately ended his life in a very pathetic place. Look at the life of Saul. He was one of the you know, most powerful kings you know, who established Israel and he became the first king of Israel and look at what happened, that bitterness, that anger, you know, that jealousy continued to, you know, you know, fuel the fire of rage within him. And finally, he wanted to even kill David. And he was after David's life, the, the man who saved him from Goliath's hands. He turned around to become the enemy of the one who should have been his closest ally and trusted, you know, friend. Ultimately, Saul's son, Jonathan, was killed and also Saul himself committed suicide. Look at the life of Eli, the priest, because he did not correct his sons and his sons were eating off, you know, of the, of the sacrifices and the offerings and they were, you know, misusing the power and authority and the office of a priesthood and being, you know, a Levite, they, they did not do it with care and they did not do it with reverence and they did not realize the awesome character of God and the imminent chastisement that could come and God punished both of Eli's sons and Eli himself at the news of the death of his sons died. Look at Judas, a man who had the love of money right from the beginning as a keeper of the money bag. He helped himself now and then with the money that was given to Jesus. He trusted him and gave that ministry of, of being a good treasurer and because he was helping himself and he was just taking off from the money bag and because of a lack of integrity over a period of time, what happened was ultimately Judas sold Jesus himself for 30 pieces of silver and ended his life in a miserable way. You look at many, many examples of how it just came and ate their life slowly because they took the grace of God for granted. Be, be aware of God's awesome character and uh, be conscious of God's imminent chastisement. Behold God's imminent chastisement. 
And so we cannot take the grace of granted, grace of God for granted. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to hold on to that grace. But that grace of God is not just to dist, you know, is not just to find fault with us, and and that grace of God is not just going to leave us. But the grace of God is there to help us live a holy life, help us to say no to ungodliness. And you can tap into that grace. That grace actually empowers you to say no to sin. This is a reality of what happens to a whole city when they take the grace of God for granted. Who once extended amazing grace. Amazing grace. Hallelujah. We sang this morning of God's amazing grace and love. And let's hold on to that amazing grace and the love of God and not take it for granted. And as we do so, we will certainly see God's blessing and grace extended upon our lives. Judah was extended comfort and compassion. On the other hand, hallelujah, God loves us so much that he extends comfort and compassion on us. And so let's be under his comfort and his compassion and his grace and never take it for granted. Would you come into your life this morning and say, if there is any sin that is in us, if there is anything, if the beaker is getting heated and if it's just getting warmer and warmer in our lives, it's time that we realize that this is going to slowly heat up and the heat is going to increase so much that we will not even feel that it was burning us, that it's killing us. And one day it could ultimately end in ruin and an ultimate fatality where we can go without remedy. And so this morning I want to encourage every one of us to commit our life to God and say, Lord, please have mercy on us. Lord, we want to repent of our sins. Lord, we want to turn away from every wicked way. Lord, we, want to, don't, we do not want to allow the beaker to just get heated up in our lives and assume that it will not harm us. But we want to say, Lord, that we want to change, that we want to ask you for forgiveness, oh God, that we want to repent, that we want to turn away. You might say, I am unable to get rid of this bad habit. You might say, I've got addicted to this. You might say, I'm, I'm, in, I'm struggling. Every time I want to get out of this, I sink more deeper into it. But I want you to know that there is a God who is there to help you. And we as God's servants and his children, his family is available to help you and walk alongside with you in encouraging you and giving you support and encouragement to walk a life that is worthy of his calling. So this morning, we don't want to take the grace of God for granted. Would you close your eyes with me and pray and ask God, Lord, help me. Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, enable me to turn away from everything that is wicked, everything that is sinful, everything that can be slowly heating up and can be taking us away from you step by step. We want to turn away from everything, oh God. And we say, Lord, we repent. We say, Lord, we don't want to take the grace of yours for granted. Because we realize your awesome character and we recognize and see how imminent your chastisement can be. And so we tremble in your presence this morning and we say, Lord, we are sorry and we turn back to you, Father. We turn back to your comfort that is found only in you, to the compassion and the love and the grace that is extended to us. Empower us to live holy and pure lives. We give you glory. Bless everyone who is watching. We pray for every family. We pray for every individual, Lord. We pray that you will empower them with your grace, O oh Father, that they, everyone will walk a new life in Christ. And Lord, put off the old self and put on the new self and be clothed with the garment of righteousness that our lives will never be the same and we will walk from holiness to holiness and go from glory to glory. Let your name be glorified. Help us, we pray. 
We need your help. We need your strength. We need your enablement. In, we give you glory and honor and praise. We pray for every need. We pray that you will heal everyone who is sick. We pray that you will provide for everyone who is in need. We pray that you will wash away, Lord, all our sins and wipe every tears from our eyes. And we pray that you will grant peace where there is no peace. Let your presence fill us, O oh God. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing the doxology together.